Beats. They've been around since the beginning. But what do we really know about them? It's time to start asking questions. I'm Chris Brunt. This is Padre. Hey, everybody. We're still here. The wildfire smoke hasn't killed us all. Yet. I don't think it's done trying, but we're still here. Motherfucker. Fucking global warming, El Nino, heat dome-ass continent. I'm from Texas. I'm used to this shit. Oh, the air quality is bad? I grew up in Houston. Is it a little hot outside? Is everything on fire? Do you get second-degree burns when you walk out barefoot on the pavement? Yeah, okay, it, it, it is pretty bad, guys. But here's the good news, for me. Not for North America or Earth in general, but for me. Padre is about to be off on a long Italian holiday, ending the summer the way all summers should end, on a beach in the Mediterranean. Wearing loud silk shirts, strolling down ancient cobblestone streets as mandolins play from unseen balconies. The smell of lemon trees in the air as I try to keep my children from getting run over by Vespas. I'll be at a writer's residency in Tuscany for two weeks, and the whole family's coming. Julian and Nico are coming. Grandpa Mike, star of season one, episode eight, is coming. And we'll be visiting some of Brad Franco's favorite places. Siena, Florence, a bunch of medieval hilltop villages where some 15th century duke got beheaded. And then the head was probably fed to his children. All his punishment for like snitching on his set, on his click. You don't fuck around in Italy. You don't fuck around. You never could do. We're off soon. I may podcast a little bit while we're there. I'll certainly have some glamorous and exciting parenting stories to tell upon our return. If you're just joining us this summer, this is episode two of our Bad Dads miniseries. You can hear episode one on our feed, on the website, wherever you want, but here's how it works. My co-host for this series is Brad Franco, a historian of medieval history from the University of Portland. And Brad and I are taking a look at some of the worst fathers in the history of humanity, whether real or fictional, as long as they were influential in some regard. And we're trying to see if we can learn something from these monumental failures, or at least come away with a better appreciation of their impact on all of us parents, as we hoe the happy row of parenthood in their wake. Episode one, of course, we considered God, the original father, and still champion of emotional manipulation, attachment disorder, toxic masculinity, etc. I think we dealt with him very fairly. And this time, a special guest is joining me and Brad, someone who, if you're caught up on last season, you're going to recognize. He's an award-winning father, an audience favorite, and uh, one of my favorite people, John Harvey, our special guest co-host. Now, to get us into the show today, I've got a quick little opening feature for you. When Julian was still a baby, one of my best friends gave him a board book of the Odyssey as a present. You know what a board book is if you're a parent. It's a picture book. Each page has a nice big colorful picture and at most one or two words. Now, Julian loved this book. I used to read it to him every day. 
And because it's a board book, I had to make up the story. So it'd have like a picture of the sirens or the lotus eaters or Scylla and Charybdis. And I just kind of freestyle that part of the Odyssey, you know, in the manner of the original ancient bards. And he couldn't get enough of it. Weeks and then months go by and we're still reading this book every day. And without me realizing it, he's committing all of this to memory. Chanel actually found this video on her phone recently from when he was just a three-year-old. He's going on eight now. So this was recorded about a hundred years ago. So here you go. This is Padre's very own Julian, sometime in 2018, having a typical dinner table discussion about Homeric poetry with his mother, Chanel, who helpfully repeats most of what he said, so you'll be able to understand it. In three, two, one. Cersei's the good work. Good work. Yeah. What if I eat the cattle of the sun? Don't. Don't? No. Or you'll be pigs. I'll be a pig? Yeah. Mm. Don't do it. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Or you'll become pigs. Don't be pigs. Mm. Did Odysseus become a pig? The men did. The men did. Yeah. And let them back to men. What is the boy's name? Cersei? No. Odysseus? Yeah, Odysseus. Odysseus. Mm-hmm. First, Cersei said to Odysseus, give me a favor first, and then she'll turn them back to men. Then she'll turn them back into men. Did she save him from the Cyclops? Who? Cersei. No, he doesn't live there. Oh, okay. Because cause first he goes under, underground to the underworld. Mm-hmm. Don't go to the underworld. But there's a snake there that you can bring here. Mm, a snake? Yeah. It was hatching to the ghosts. Okay. And you can bring that here. Okay. I'll, I'll help you get there. It's right underground like a subway. Like a subway? Yeah. Yeah. And you can bring a tiger bone in a ghost bone. Mm-hmm. A tiger bone. A tiger bone? Yeah. Mm. Then what happens? And skulls. And skulls? Yeah. They them. Mm-hmm. Where do I go after the underworld? To Cersei's island. And Cersei's here. Turn the pigs back into women. Oh. Then where do I go? Then you can go to the Cyclops cave. Then to the Cyclops cave? What happens there? I try to eat you, but I'm weird. But they eat me first. Mm. But I'm too quick. I'm the littlest, so I can hide under the sheep's burden when... Unfortunately, that's all the clean audio I can give you from that clip. So if you want to know how the Odyssey ends, whether the wily old seafarer makes it back home, stay tuned. Because that is very much our topic today on the Greeks edition of Bad Dads. Now, we're we're having some fun here, as always, on Bad Dads. We're not pious about this literature. You can't be, because these stories, these stories are incredibly dark. Incredibly graphic and upsetting and, frankly, quite sick. But there are stories. 
They belong to Julian, and to me, and to Shakespeare, and to you, and to Brad Pitt. No matter if you've sat down and read them or not, they've been in the water for a long, long, long time. There's a reason Freud turned to the Greeks to name all of his best complexes. This shit is deep in our coding. Discount it at your own peril. We're going to help you sort through some of it right now. All right, stay tuned after Bad Dads for a few updates on Padre's upcoming episodes, and remember to subscribe to the show feed so you don't miss anything. Here we go. Welcome back, everyone. Here we are with Brad Franco, our old friend, which means it's time for for Brad to say the thing, right? Bad dads with Brad. Yeah, you can say that thing if you want. Are you going to have Julian say it? We'll probably have something something better than you saying it, saying it, but um, we should. We're back. We know Brad. We don't need to introduce Brad, but we have a special guest. We're so happy to have John Harvey back in the building, back in the Padre attic with us. Oh, oh. The attic, the shuttered You're room. In the attic. Okay. You're in the attic. Marin has his garage. I have my attic, guys. Oh. I mean, but John, welcome back. It's good to have you. It's good to be here, Chris, and it's good to meet Brad and um, to be part. Nice of to the- meet you too. John. That's right. That's right. So see, these guys don't know each other. Right. I'm. I, I, this is part of the community building that we're doing on Padre. This bringing, is how the magic happens. Bringing people, stirring new ingredients. Right? Bringing people in my life together and uh, fathers, bringing fathers together and and building a network. Sounds yeah. like an intellectual orgy of sorts. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Well, speaking of orgies. Um, Go on. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing that we try to do here on Padre is look is look to the past. To look at past legacies and and models and and even whole cultures of fatherhood, of what a father is. And I and I know that, that you guys would fundamentally agree with this. The first place that I go when I'm looking for that model of fatherhood is the Greeks, uh, the ancient Greeks, yeah, the ancient Greeks, right? With the Bronze Age Mediterranean cultures of of honor, serious dysfunction, right? Of the warrior culture of uh, of Kleos, right? Of seeking glory. Wow, it's pretty stirring there, uh, yeah, thank Chris. It's really thank the you. positive outlook there. The positive That's my Saint Christmans Day. That's my okay. <laughs> So today we're going to talk about the ancient Greeks. We're going to see um, we're going to see if there's any of these dads in Homer or in the tragic playwrights or you know sort of the the archaic mythologies that 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 literature is built out of. Uh, see if there's any dads that we can you know take a couple pages from their playbook, right? Who among us doesn't need a little help sometimes? Yeah. You both have daughters, right? I don't have daughters. I, I have sons. I have, I have only sons, but I'm sure. That makes um, us better parents than you, just right there. Yeah. Two sons and a daughter. <laughs> yeah. Two older children who have already exiled me, and the younger one who's been practicing for a long time to kill me. Yeah, which is what makes you uh, such an expert on this on on this subject matter. And of course, John, you you know you taught the ancient Greeks for many many years as a professor at the University of Houston. You've written about them. You've you've really lived in their. In, in their footsteps, have you not? I mean, we've emulated said, them in your parenting, in uh, your lifestyle. 
Yeah. 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 Well, certainly um, I situate my family somewhere near the house of Atreus, uh, maybe not right next to the house of Atreus, but the in house the of might be, you know, a few houses down, but it's on mm-hmm. the same street mm-hmm. in terms of- In the of, cul-de-sac. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. You know, that just warms me that that's a term of the suburbs. And uh, I live in Sweden right now on a mountaintop and I see a woods, but oh, I would give it all up. If I could be back on a cul-de-sac and there's next to the house of Atria, nicely cropped long, the driveways with no weeds, Mm -hmm. two cars in the, in the driveway at all times, right? At least two, maybe three. Right. And neither of them is linking oil. There's none of that. No, this is upscale. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I was going to talk about the house of Atreus and uh, Tantalus uh, as kind of a beginning point. Tantalus, who in the house would probably be in the sub-basement or uh, in the crawl space. Um, because, of course, he, he killed his son and then cooked his son in a particular way and served to the gods to see if they could tell. Right? I mean, do the gods know their meat? Do they know their taste of flesh? Can they tell, can they tell the difference between lamb or veal and human? And boy. Um, and sort of a is, trick question. What's yeah. really the purpose of this, though? I mean, is it, was he really trying to, he's trying to trick the gods? Or did he have like one some, up. some uh, yeah, one up. yeah, I think it's classic one-upmanship. Uh, um, and, uh, and apparently Demeter didn't notice because she was all grief-stricken because her daughter had been abducted by Hades and her father was kind of in on it to set up this abduction and rape. So it's interesting. I actually, um, you know, when it comes to serving God's unbeknownst meats of, of unknown origins, I tried this with my daughter recently, who's a vegetarian by uh-huh. just sneaking in some, some bacon into things. And, uh, no, I wouldn't actually do that, but, but that would be total bad dad behavior. Right to just sort of slip this in, but I do think it's worse sneaking in your your offspring, your actual child. Yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm, rather than mm-hmm. serving your your child unknown meat. Yes, I think you're right, Brad. I think it is worse. I think just saying it's, it's subtle. It's it's a nuanced take, but I I think I think I would agree. That's why you. I'm here. You know, and I I understand that. Except you know, again, in in the Hannibalization of everything, you know, I can think of like a. a steak and kidney pie or, you know, uh, different stews with the body parts, right? I mean, you could, you could do it up in a nice sauce and, and maybe this is what Tantalus did. So I, I guess I have some sympathy. Use the whole body, you know, That's use right. the whole everything. The whole animal from, from nose to tail, nose to tail, human eating, you know, because then it's sustainable. So, um, so in that sense, I have sympathy with Tantalus and I can't really put him as a bad dad. Um, so I'm going, I'm going with the father who didn't even bother to cook his children, but just, just stuffed them whole down his throat. And that's, uh, Kronos also Kronos. known as Saturn in the Roman world. Mm-hmm. Sushi style consumption. You know, that's yeah. Now there is a rarefied dish that I think is now illegal in France where you would take like a songbird and drown it in cognac and then kind of roast it with a nice little flamethrower. And then uh-huh. you were supposed to pop it in your mouth entirely and chew. 
Yeah, this is on an episode actually of Succession, right? In the sequence where they eat it, they're eating this sort of you know rare songbird. They have to put a napkin over their head. Yes. And uh, <laughs> which what is that about? Is that a shame, shame. or shame? shame? You know, we and it's and it's it, but it heightens the thrill. Oh, we we certainly shouldn't be doing this. I'm going to yeah. wear a napkin because it's a it's a mock shame, right? Because this is now part of the the custom of eating it. So it's like right. it's not even real shame. It's it's just become yet another kind of trapping of the elitist you know practice of of eating this innocent bird. Yeah, yeah. If and if and if that's elitist, fine. So, so be it, you know, so, yeah. but, but John, so Kronos, of course, feels no shame. He's, he's out in the open and he's just stuffing all of his children down his gullet. Right. Um, and I, I met him actually. Um, oh, Kronos? Yeah. Well, Saturno, but I, yes, I met him. It was, uh, it was 1979. I was 17 between silk shirts, bell-bottom pants. And I was going to say, skinny, uh, like, what were things, what were things like back then? Cause I don't really know. I was born in 79, so, wow. you know, got that going. I okay. was there in the Prado. <laughs> Did you, you see born John? You weren't by any chance, were you? I was screaming in front of a painting. That's all I okay. remember. <laughs> so, so I was there. It was my uh, Spanish language high school class, and we flew to New York and met up with Spanish language high school classes from around America, and then flew to Madrid, where the drinking age allowed us to take in copious amounts, which means most evenings were spent with awkward, hesitant, fairly shameful orgies, where mm. you, you kind of knew what the body orgies parts of, were. Orgies of shame, rather? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you tried, <laughs> but you just, it didn't work, and then you just felt bad. And so one morning we went to the Prado, and I'm walking through, and I turn around and I see, you know, this guy, uh, Saturno. Just there he is maddened look wide-eyed chomping down raw mm-hmm. on on a child and it i just sat down and looked at it and looked at it and said um, yeah yeah it seemed to say everything to me about fatherhood that i had experienced and 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 known so that you'd absorbed so far in your 17 uh, years in the house of harvey uh just a few houses down from the house of atreus uh-huh. um Goya had a direct line then to the house of harvey he saw Saw, yeah. to, the, to the essence of things. Yeah, to, to me, this is the emblem of, of all, all the tendencies in a father to psychologically consume the children, to have them completely be shaped by his maybe best intentions, but invariably fears, complexes, anxieties. Hungers. Hungers, yeah. Appetites. <laughs> Appetites, yeah. yeah. And the the ultimate rejection of fatherhood, there shall be no children. Right? Mm-hmm. There shall be no more. I will take them back children. into my body. Right, right. Ugolino right. style. For Ugolino. Oh, nice yeah. shout out. Nice shout out to one of the best scenes. Yeah. Archbishop Ruggieri and Count Ugolino. Oh, that's See, that's I knew you guys were going to fucking nerd out about Dante if I got you together. Yeah. I was worried about this. I was concerned. My, my my concerns were well founded, but so, back yeah, to so the that, Greeks. That's it for you, John. It's the it's the uh, it's the psychological reading of Kronos. That yeah, yeah, that he consumes all except Zeus because you know mom kind of figures out what's going on, and obviously also this is this is I find this gross actually on Saturno's part, Kronos's part. I've He's never heard due. you say those words before. I found this gross. I didn't know I that you were capable of speaking those those exact yeah, the, words. Yeah, the gross Continue. part is. 
you know, he, he's duped. He's given a stone to eat, a stone to swallow. And he, and he takes that to be his son, takes that to be Zeus, which, you know, obviously no taste buds, obviously no sense of differentiating between probably some succulent baby flesh mm-hmm. and uh, stone. That is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Unsettling even. Yeah. Isn't it? All right, so we have Kronos as our first nominee for the baddest dad of the Greeks. Brad, who do you got? I'll go with Oedipus. Oedipus, Oedipus. the king. The thing with with Oedipus is, for those, I mean, everybody sort of knows on some level. What did he do? He uh, he, uh, he is the original uh, motherfucker, right? That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, many people have killed their fathers. But who's fucked their moms? You know, that's always the question that we must consider, uh-huh. um, which quite obviously makes him a terrible son, right? It makes him a pretty terrible husband to his mom slash wife. Uh, mm. But of course, on this op- episode of Bad Dads, we want to say, is Oedipus himself a good or bad father? And, um, you know, the evidence is, is pretty brother. pretty pretty bad yeah i mean he's also definitely uh, a sibling right uh half sibling right he has the same mom not the same dad um because he is the dad so <laughs> when it comes to his fatherhood mm-hmm. you know let's let's sort of review the evidence okay uh, because we've got, of, we've got antigone of, we've got uh, who, name his kids brad so eteocles there we go polynices uh-huh. and ismene okay <clears throat> and um you know he's he hasn't figured it out that he had been told f- Long, long ago in a prophecy that he was going to kill his mom or kill his dad and uh, marry his his mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he kills a king on a bridge, doesn't seem to put together that this could possibly be his dad because he mm-hmm. had been adopted. Mm-hmm. Doesn't realize that if you're marrying somebody who uh, was is widowed, hey, maybe this this could somehow reflect badly on you. When he's told not to pursue this by Tiresias and by Jocasta's wife, he won't leave it alone. And so, you know, ultimately his wife ends up hanging herself, right? Mm-hmm. And and so now now he, as a dad, is left with his children knowing that they are now motherless. And so what does he do? How does he respond? He goes and gets her hair ties and just stabs his eyes out, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you guys are going to need more support from your parents. I got an idea. Now I don't have eyes, right? But Brad, so, imagine if he hadn't done that, right? They would have been left with a terrible sense of sort of narrative irresolution, right? Like, dad, you put us through all of this. Where's the appropriate symbolic, you know, climactic action to help us at least, uh, you know, make a good play out of this one day? Imagine if he so hadn't apparently done apparently no one told him that there was going to be a sequel, Okay. <laughs> You know, because as an ending, that would have worked. But now you got to imagine now he's just helpless, right? Mm-hmm. In the ancient Greek world. It got renewed not, for another season, right? Yeah, which was, which... and now he's just like blind. I mean, honestly, <laughs> Sophocles should have like restored sight somehow. That would have been better because instead what you get is now he's just needs full-time aid. And Ooh. so he, you know, has his children, expects his children. You guys take the kingdom. Eteocles and Polynices, and this is a stupid plan. You can switch power every year because that always works everywhere, always, forever, right? And while you're king, you can support me, okay? And then Antigone, I'm just going to go wander around in exile, so you take my hand and lead me because I'm blind now because I stabbed my eyes out, 
right? <laughs> so so he set up his sons for failure, set them up for dispute, and he's forced Antigone to be his uh, service service guide, right? Um, and, and so the brothers go on and and, and ultimately kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what ends up happening with Antigone and where they want. You don't know what happens with ends. Antigone. Well, no, no, no. In there's that a play story. called Antigone. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay, in that I don't know how like the wandering goes. I forget that piece of it before. Of course, yes. Then she's going to end up killing herself. Creon's going to end up alone. The dead wife, dead child, and uh, and dead niece. So you know, I mean, I would say that Oedipus is responsible. So for like B minus here, B minus on the outcomes. Then, well, yeah. I mean, I I would go. I mean, great inflation is a thing. So you know, I think it's B, like a Harvard, B is yeah, the Harvard, bad. Harvard A minus is what we're giving. The, yeah, the ch- which is really like a B, which is really bad. He's he certainly didn't eat his children, but um, in many ways that would have been quicker. Right. The way that he goes about this <laughs> leads to generational trauma and misery for, for not just Oedipus's uh, children, but the people of Thebes. Is it possible right? that he doesn't see himself as a father at all at this point, that he sees himself as, as more their sibling than their father? I mean, it, did you ever consider that? I don't know. Have mm-hmm. you ever asked your siblings for like, hey, take care of me and and like, I'm going to no, curse you. He curses his own kids. I didn't even mention yeah. that. He curses them. Yeah, yeah that's a big yeah. one. Right. I mean, it's, you know, is it, is it worse than, well, Kronos swallows them, but then he ends up vomiting them back up, which, you know, it's traumatic going Sounds in. Sounds like regret. Traumatic going out. But yeah, they, they do, they do come back. So, yeah. yeah that I mean, seems like something you could apologize and walk, walk back, you know, in a way you can't apologize for your eyes now not being there and, uh, and somehow restore yeah. that. Yeah, it's I don't know. I, I don't know if this will tip the scales in any way, but I want to push back just a little bit on this notion that Oedipus is such a terrible son. Because whether that bears on him as a as a father, I, I I'm not sure yet. But you sort of stated this as if it was sort of a priori. Oedipus is is famously a bad son, and I think that there may be some flaws in that in in that statement. I mean, his mother really liked him. She really found him to be uh, you know, very arousing and thus look, like look, he gets points for that. What are you talking about? <laughs> Killing the dad on the bridge? Is that is that is that good son behavior? Come on, Chris. Okay. So, so you have to actually look at his entire history as a son, not just those two moments where he yes, murders his father and marries and impregnates his mother. Like, yeah, those those are those are low low moments. Those are troughs. Okay. But those are valleys. However, why was he at the crossroads in the first place? Right? How did he get into this? Because he didn't want to kill his his who he believed to be his dad. Uh Uh-huh. And he didn't want to fuck who he believed to be his mom. His adoptive parents, who he believes has no reason not to believe, are his 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 true parents, right? The king and queen of Corinth. Right? Who raised him. And who give him their name and make him heir to their throne. He's raised. So what's he do? And he runs away. When the Oracle tells him that you're going to kill your father and marry your mother, he assumes they're talking about those parents. And he immediately turns on a dime and gets the fuck out of Dodge. He leaves behind Mm -hmm. his kingdom. He leaves behind his throne. That's a that's that's a good son behavior right there. Listen, Chris. (laughs) If if you got if you had a prophecy that you were gonna kill your dad. And fuck your mom. I think you would like be like, okay, I'm gonna make sure I don't do that, rather than just fleeing. 
right? Well, that's what he was trying it. to do. He was trying to make sure he didn't do that. He was removing himself from How their would vicinity. you accidentally do that? How? How? Play that out in, in your head, how that makes any any kind of narrative sense. I don't know. I mean, aren't you ever worried? Oh, I'm that- sorry, Mom. My dick just slipped inside. Like, I, like, like no, okay? It's never, ever been, been a, a concern. And, and I would guess, Chris, you've never had that concern either. There are some several I, steps, I think, I, before that moment of, hey, Mom, sorry. <laughs> now I well, have that concern. I didn't before, but you, now that you've implanted it into my psyche, I'm now a little worried about it. Yeah. Now that I've stuck it in because, where, what's, what do you, what? <laughs> because the whole point is the inadvertent, you know, the inadvertent nature of it. He, he did everything in his power to prevent it from happening, right? Short of killing himself in that moment. He, he jumps on his horse and he gallops out of town never to return. But as John points out, you know, he probably picked a bad direction because he, he runs smack dad into his actual dad. And, and after a bout of road rage kills him uh, and then is awarded Mm-hmm. That man's that man's widow as a wife. He didn't pick her. He just showed up, defeats the Sphinx, is welcomed into the city as a conquering hero, as their savior, as this sort of messiah figure. And they give him a bride, right? This queen who needs a husband. But he knows that she's widowed and he knows he just killed someone. And if you have this prophecy on your life that made you flee, maybe put two and two together. But he thought he killed a regular person and regular people don't matter, Brad. He thought it was just a, you know, uh, like a farmer. You know, it's not a big deal. The guy had servants with him. The guy had servants with him. A rich farmer, you know, a rich farmer, but a farmer nonetheless. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. You look down on farmers, Chris. You would, yeah, clearly. <laughs> I'm just saying. Greek overalls. If you were to, uh, you know, if you were to kill on the one hand a king and on the other hand a farmer, you know, uh, it's a bigger deal. I'm glad to see, Chris, that you buy fully into the stratification of society as the as the Greeks laid out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what did Marx say about this? Right? He said that it's fine to kill farmers. I think, didn't he? That was Jesus. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, I think it's my turn, and um, I would like to. You uh, can't top our. I'd like to bring things down a little down to earth here. Okay, I'd like to keep things maybe a little more grounded and a little more simple, because I want to think about Odysseus, father of Telemachus. So much of of the story of the Odyssey is a story about a father and a son, right? Trying to reunite, trying to find each other. At least that's the that's the version they want you to believe. Right, that it's this sort of heartwarming coming of age tale of um, of a father and a son, but you know Homer sort of selling out, right? Trying to you know trying to finally get that number one record. Um, I which I also just learned from a friend today that you know that was like a great obsession of Miles Davis's latter sort of working years that like he was sort of obsessed with finally getting that number one hit, like after all like Homer, like Homer exactly exactly like Homer. Um, So he wrote the Iliad, which was a banger, right? And then he's like, I'm trying to get a number one hit. So he writes the Odyssey, which he thinks is going to be this feel good, warm and fuzzy father son narrative that people are going to like give to each other on Father's Day, et cetera, et cetera. But it's bullshit. It's fucking bullshit because Odysseus is a terrible father. And here's why. What's his first act we see him perform as a father? It's when Achilles comes to his farm in Ithaca to recruit him to set sail for Troy, right? To, To sort of recruit him into the war effort that Agamemnon and Menelaus are are leading. John, your your brothers of the house of Atreus, right? Odysseus sees him coming, for some reason sort of has a premise, knows what it's about, 
And he says, I'm not going to go fight in this stupid fucking war. Like my place is here. I've got an infant son and a hot wife and I don't want to go anywhere, which is the, you know, the correct way to feel about things. But his method for getting rid of Achilles and getting rid of this, this recruitment envoy is to act like a lunatic, is to pretend to be insane, right? He pretends to be crazy. And what is, what's Achilles' first move? He's like, let's take the baby and throw the baby in front of the plow. And if he's really crazy, he'll just keep on going and run right over that baby. But if he's not crazy, he'll have to pick the baby up and then we'll know that he's fine and he's fit to serve and he'll have to come with us. Which is a, a, you know, you could say that this reflects poorly on Achilles. Fine. I won't argue with that. The reason it reflects poorly on Odysseus is because it works. So right? you're saying he should have run him over. Is no, what you're no, he literally shouldn't. saying. Well, you know, no, not exactly. No, what I'm saying is well, that. What, Chris, give any other outcome that you would have preferred other than him. Because clearly you're indicating that running him over the plow was the answer. No, he should have. He got the first part right. Pick the baby up off the ground. Don't run the baby over with the plow. That and then is, say, like, no, what? and then be What's like, the get the fuck off my farm, man. You just threw my baby in front of my plow. Like, I'm not. The and he'd be like, hi, you're not crazy. You come with me. <laughs> Now, I'm just saying. Remember, in, in, on how you're defining Odysseus, you're defining him as a farmer. You've said farm many times, <laughs> and you yourself have schooled us on farmers. Hey. So you're saying Achilles should have killed the farmer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which he could have, right? And then. That's why he came. But Odysseus is like, oh, you got me. I'm not really crazy because I'm not ready to, like, you know, plow over my infant son. So now I have to leave. And he's gone for 20 years. 20 years so that was like the last day he had with his kid and he's gone for 20 years and 10 of those years 10 of those years or maybe nine and change he spins on calypso's island yeah right which we remember the kevin sorbo tv adaptation you're just jealous played by vanessa williams (laughs) i'm just saying did did you really have to spend a decade in this sort of depressive looking out at the waves as they crash. Oh, we get it, Chris. You would have been done in 30 seconds. Okay, but for some... We never would have left. And, it, you know, Calypso's like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, I miss my wife. And she's like, you know, no, you don't. And he's like, yeah, you're Come right. back to that. <laughs> I don't miss it that much. I mean, 10 years? Ten. It took him 10 years to finally be like, all right, I'm ready good. to go home. Now. It was good. I mean, how... The Greek stallion. The Greek stallion. What do you want? The goddess, goddess Because sex. he's... Yeah, he's 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 in paradise with a goddess. Yeah. And then we're supposed to believe that just one day, 10 years into that, he suddenly remembers his duties as a father and as a husband and as the Lord. Oh, of I'll grant you that it would have been better in eight, if it had been after eight years, seven years. OK, but he, he remembered. Mm-hmm. OK, he wasn't so far gone that after a couple decades, like, all right, I have a child. I think I those 10 years are pretty formative years in a child's life, right? Like he missed year eight to 18, just hanging out on like, you know, Calypso's sex island. We'll see how you are when your kid's 18. You might've been like, you know what? I could have missed the last decade. I'm it's just probably saying, I mean, okay. if that's not a deadbeat dad, I don't know what is. Okay. So fine. He finally like comes back from fucking Miami and arrives Didn't Tom Brady do something similar? Like just <laughs> spent... 25 years playing football. Did you really need to do that? Did you really need the Tampa Bay Super Bowl? That would be equivalent, John, if the if the Trojan War had lasted for 20 years, right? And, and Odysseus just refuses to leave the gridiron. He refuses to leave the field of battle. 
because he's chasing. No, John has a good point because the last year was clearly us or them. And he's like, oh, I'll do play one more year. But this would have been like if Brady retired after 20 years and then spent another 10 years like on Tahiti recovering and recouping from his. You don't know where he is now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think Brady's like pretty, pretty involved in his kids' lives though, right? So, I mean, let, he, so let me hear. Let me get this straight. He kissed that one Chris. kid on the mouth. They seemed like they, you know, had, had at least spent time together before. <laughs> Stop bringing up Oedipus. Okay, so here's um. Okay, I'm not done the, yet. I'm not done with fucking. No, Odysseus no, no. Yet. But I want to point out that so far, all you've said is Why are you being a deadbeat dad is worse than I don't know eating your fucking children. <laughs> I said I was bringing things back down to earth. Okay, it doesn't have to be weird voodoo shit to be bad, bad fatherhood. Okay, so I'm not done yet, Brad. I'm not. Obama had a deadbeat dad and he became president. Okay. I'm just yeah. saying I would, if his father had eaten him, he wouldn't have been a good president. Well, he could have swallowed him and vomited him back up and trauma. <laughs> yeah. trauma. Okay. So the end of the story is that Odysseus finally drags his dusty ass back home. And instead of going, you know, straight to the palace and, uh, you know, saying like, hello, wife what are all these fucking suitors doing here um like a normal person or even going straight out to find his boy who's now a 20 year old kind of like man child this sort of underdeveloped soy boy cuck of a of a son Um, stop talking about yourself chris (laughs) (laughs) he goes out and he sees his uh you know favorite slave right his cow herd his swine herd eumaeus uh, and Telemachus just happens to be there because he's basically grown up being raised by this this swineherd who's incredibly loyal to his father. Odysseus, of course, shows up in disguise like he always does, like a weirdo, as a poor person and in rags, doesn't reveal himself to Telemachus right away. He wants to kind of test his loyalty first. He tests the loyalty first of the swineherd and then he tests the loyalty of the son. And finally, paranoid narcissistic Odysseus is satisfied enough that he can like trust his own kid. Surprise. And he says, says, all right, so here's, here's the plan, right? I'm actually your dad and we're going to go kill all of the suitors who are in our living room right now. You and me. Father, son, bonding man. Yeah. Epic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Telemachus is like, my dad's finally here. He's finally home and he's finally paying attention to me. And he wants, he needs my help. And this is going to be fucking awesome. Right. It's very much like rad dad. It's like the, it's like the first half of the fresh Prince episode where Will's dad comes back right after all that time, the happy part. And then that's what they do. He, he, they execute this insane, like Navy seal plan to, to go back into the palace and the three of them slaughter. uh, What's the number, John? I forgot. I used to know Um, how many suitors. 60, 70, 80. You're saying, um, saying numbers now? You're saying numbers. A small Midwestern city. <laughs> Several scores. <laughs> <laughs> they kill like a hundred people in an afternoon, including Telemachus is tasked with hanging right. the serving right. girls who had slept with the suitors, right? right. Which was seen as some kind of like you know, violation of the patriarchal honor of the household, right? Meaning like these are Odysseus's slaves. So how dare they sleep with these suitors? 
Uh, and it's Telemachus's job to kind of mop that situation up. So he presides over their execution after the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the other kind of military operation is over with. And this is the happy ending of the Odyssey. This is yeah. the culmination yeah. of the coming of age story. This is the triumphant reunification of father and son. And the son has now learned how to be a man from, yeah. from Big Papa, from, from, yeah. from Odysseus himself. And now I love it when you call him Big Papa. <laughs> and that's the that's the the end of the book, right? That's where that one ends. So, Chris, let's be clear: you're not really indicting Odys- uh, Oedipus. Sorry, Odysseus. Correct. You're I'm really a- indicting. No, I know you're you're indicting Greek culture as a whole. I love Greek culture. I love hummus. I love. Uh, islands. <laughs> I love sunshine. But what you're saying is their view of what it means to be a good father is inherently awful, right? Only Traumatic. in this instance. The ones you guys mentioned are fine. Um, well, okay. But my guy you know, is real and, bad. And actually, I don't, I don't think you come to bury Odysseus. <laughs> I think you come to praise him. And I think that's exactly what you've done. <laughs> that's what we've heard. Yeah. Okay. Either you're denigrating all the Greeks. See, I actually love you're my children, and I Odysseus. want to. I, I want them to grow up around me and under oh. my guidance and under my protection. Unlike you know, you guys, Jules, you guys don't feel that way. You know, how old Jules is Julian? Would love to go on a killing spree with you. You know that. <laughs> well, how old is Julian? He's seven. He's seven years old. Okay. He's so ready. what you're saying He's is ready. the formative years you were talking about were between eight and eighteen. You might decide in a year to run off to Ithaca. I mean, yeah. Ithaca's only an hour away. I can get there. Exactly. Get 81 exactly. South, baby. And you know what? There's farms around Ithaca. So Ooh. I'm saying you have a future. Wait, target rich environment. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what do we think, guys? If, if these are our three. Wait, let me, let me ask this. Let me ask the question this way. Which of these three do we find the most relatable? How would we possibly answer that in a way that makes us anything other than total monsters? The question is sustained. How, which, which do you find most consonant with your particular worldview, Brad? Obviously, Kronos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, who among us hasn't violently overreacted and then had to had to sort of take it all back? Have you ever just taken something from your kid and put it in your own mouth? You know, like no. <laughs> No, like like your kids are because they have dirty hands. No, but like no, I know I would never eat after my children. That's a hard rule of mine. Like yeah, yeah, if they're yeah. eating something okay. and they're like, "You want some?" I'm like, "Absolutely, fucking not." But uh-huh. uh, but if they are like fighting over a bag of popcorn or something, and I don't see a better way of dealing with like diffusing that struggle, I might just grab a huge handful myself and <gasps> sort of chronos that fucking popcorn. You know what I mean? I, I will say in terms of Oedipus, and, and in terms of let's say a. A practical, real-world experience in America. You know, there's there's no healthcare, and Dad's just dumped himself on the kids, on the girl, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. haven't we read curse that the so sons and uh, make yourself a burden on the, on the right. daughter? Right. I mean, just cursing the sons, and uh, yeah, yeah, you have to take care of my healthcare daughter. I mean, that's how often does that happen? Yeah. See, well, you're seeing it my way. Is that your plan, John? Y- yes. Yeah. No, that is the that's why I moved to Sweden so he doesn't have to have that plan because they have healthcare, <laughs> you know. All I know is I have two daughters and two eyes, so I'm I'm automatically a better dad than Oedipus, right? You know, because share the burden and I can see. And I've met both your parents, Brad, and uh, it seems that seems fine there. That seems uh, totally normal and not at all weird. 
Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Odysseus then. Odysseus is no. is I went. No, Oedipus. Just stop. <laughs> stop. No, but I hear what you're saying. You have to interpret these characters within their their cultural context and it's uh and it's sort of silly to pass judgment on them given you know using the sort of values and conventions of our time however it's also fun to do that brad i obviously agree chris but i guess i'd say that given how odysseus acts when he returns being a deadbeat dad was clearly a gift to his son okay he was saying you too can be barack obama Right. And he oh, was just, oh man. Oh, right. cue the music. Cue the stir. Yeah. Music. yeah. Right? And, Ooh. and then when he came back, right, okay. he realized that he, he, you know, all he had to teach him was his murderous ways. And thus, you know, we got to recognize that in his desire to have sex with not his wife for a decade, goddesses. Um, not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he clearly was looking out for his son. And then gave his son some sweet survival skills. No one's going to mix with Telemachus. So he's basically like a deadbeat dad. Who gets and, it? Uh, <laughs> Come out here, boy. I'm going to show you how to use a AR, etc. See those men looking at your mom? This is a grenade launcher, boy. You need to learn how to use these right here in our culture. Yeah. This is Texas, boy. But he's down not here, the worst of them. That's all worth Down here in Texas. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go with Texas because I, I have the right to say that. Okay, final question. It's a serious question. If we can't then condemn these fathers, given their enmeshment in Bronze Age culture, right? No, no, no. We can condemn. We just aren't condemning Odysseus lower than the others. This is a bad dad contest. Okay, Chris. okay, fine, fine, fine. But given the way that you're trying to restrain me from condemning Odysseus, can we then not also take any positive value? from these texts, from these portraits of fatherhood? Shouldn't you also be sort of barred or, or restrained from saying there's something good here? There's something worth learning from? Um, um, go ahead, John. <laughs> I was I was just thinking back to something that Donald Barthamay had, had said. Donald Barthamay, the- I thought you were going to say Donald Trump, actually, but uh, I'm happy no, you're going no, in a different yeah, direction. Much better, yeah, Donald. Yeah. I did Tom Brady earlier. I thought I'd you know maybe Classic. show some education. Um, dead father. Bartholomew. Yeah, the dead father, but uh, Bartholomew had made a comment about, because I think he was kind of a very tense father and kind of aware of um, the whole preposterous proposition of the whole thing, mm-hmm. of being a father, like a mm-hmm. long-term father. And, you know, he thought at, at best, maybe you wouldn't make the same mistakes your father made, but regardless you were going to make them, right? It was like fated. You're going to fuck up your, your children. You might tell yourself, you're not going to do it the way your dad did. Yeah, you're going to invent something new. Uh, yeah, they will, they, will, they will hate you. <laughs> so that's my message. That's nice. I like that. That's nice. And thanks for bringing in uh, a fellow Houston writer, Donald Barthelme. Yeah. Rest in peace. Brad, anything? And I would uh, say the lesson from, from Oedipus pretty, pretty obviously is when you are a burden on your children, let them know that there is great, great historical precedent for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any suggestion as to how to let them know? I mean, I mean, you can have them read Oedipus Rex. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, you can you can let them know. Is hey, that what you guys do instead of watching and- TV at night? You guys sit around the the firelit living room and you read to your children from Oedipus in the Greek? Is that not only, yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it's always about what not to do. I, I think ultimately that's our job as, as parents, right? Mm-hmm. Is to let our kids know not what to do, but to make them feel really, really concerned that every choice is potentially wrong. Um, and they're, they're really aware of all the ways that could, it could end up horribly. So, you know, there's no better way <laughs> than reading the Greek. Tragedy story. around every yeah. corner, right? Right. Tra- yeah. Tragedy and in every probably out of your hands and you're well, probably going to fuck up anyway. Yeah, it's it's the it's the very prophetic words of Philip Larkin. They fuck you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. And with that, another episode of Bad Dads with Brad. Thanks, everybody. John, thanks for being here. Thank both of you. See you guys next time. Bye, Brad. Thanks, Chris. Bye. That's all for Padre. We're off to Italy. We got more Bad Dads coming at you. Soon after which, we'll start releasing our second mini-series of summer bonus episodes. The Padre Review. A literary salon. Where I'll be sharing with you and thinking through some of the most poignant, meaningful, heartbreaking, or just like really cool works of literature that have something to say, that offer a portrayal that speak to the experience of parenting and parenthood and bring some clarity of thought and word to this often messy and chaotic and confusing part of our lives. And I'll be doing that in conversation with some very brilliant and renowned writers, poets, and critics. These are great episodes. We've got a few in production already, and I'm excited to share them with you. So stay tuned. Season two of Padre is coming. I'm not going to say when, but it's coming. Please spread the word. Get your friends and associates and colleagues, your underlings and lackeys, your admirers, your side pieces, your rivals and antagonists, yes, even your nemeses. Put them all onto Padre. Tell them to subscribe. Take their phone away and subscribe for them. Tell them it will change their life, or at least keep them company. Remind them it's free. Thanks to Brad Franco, John Harvey, and our in-house Homeric scholar, Julian Bensbrunt. See you next time. Va bene, ci vediamo. Ti parlo dall'Italia. Ciao, arrivederci, amici. Mie cari, ciao. Ciao e buonanotte.